for Monday and M is for man. Let's get this thing going. Hello, John Raw, the general of all things Southern. We're back here for a full week of talking about what's going on across the southeast of the United States from Alabama to West Virginia, from Florida to Missouri, from Kentucky all the way down to the Alabama Gulf Coast and more. We got you covered southeast. And today on the Y'all Show, we're going to be mixing in all of the political news the other news, some tragedy in the law enforcement world that we'll be telling you about from a couple of different southern states. We'll pass that tragedy along to you, as well as other news and happenings. A Mississippian picked to be California's new U.S. Senator as Diane Feinstein died on Friday. And LaFonza Butler from Magnolia, Mississippi is Gavin Newsom's pick to be California's next U.S. Senator. We'll tell you more about this Jackson State alumni in our headlines. Another Southerner, unfortunately, has died at the age of 57. Former Boston Red Sox knuckleballer Tim Wakefield. We'll talk a little bit about how this guy helped the Sox win a couple of World Series back in the day. A story about another great Southern baseball player, Hank Aaron, and a Mobile business owner wanted to honor Aaron with a mural and the local folks said, I don't think so. You're out. Strike three. By the way, today is, or it actually may be Tuesday, the start of the Major League Baseball postseason. Congratulations to all the teams who have made it into the postseason from baseball's standpoint. So we'll get into that in our headlines across the southeast today. Plus, we'll let you know how in Florida, if you are a Floridian or if you're like me, often going to Florida on vacation, do you have to stop for a funeral procession? That's a big question. We'll explain. Plus, of course, this comes to us from the state of Tennessee. A Tennessee fisherman has been out in the waters of the Volunteer State fishing and has, uh, let's just say, got a big one. Instead of a big fish, this Tennessee fisherman hooked a homemade bomb you got to be kidding me. We'll have all that. Plus, is the southern accent disappearing? That's part of our news headlines that we'll be getting to today on the Y'all Show. Plus, we've got other fun stuff coming your way in the Y'all Show, as we always do here. Hour one, we'll be mixing in hashtag hullabaloo, a look at social media fun. And we're going to be comparing some presidential history here today, comparing John Adams and Zachary Taylor, one from the north, one from the south. Plus, Senator Bill Cassidy has been busy on social media, and we'll find out what the Louisiana senator has to say as part of our headlines of Hour 1 and our hashtag hullabaloo. Hour 2 today, a lot of history that we'll be getting to as we'll have our Southern History Spotlight. Today was the day that Nat Turner was born. If you're not familiar with the name Nat Turner, a very important figure in terms of slavery and emancipation. We'll talk about Nat Turner and how he ultimately led the Nat Turner slave revolt, but he was born on this day in history. Today is the birthday of a Confederate general, A.P. Stewart. We'll tell you more about him. And former Tennessee U.S. Senator Cordell Hull, born on this day. Also birthdays today, a couple of current guys. The Cajun country crooner Joel Saunier, born on this day. We'll have to play a little Joel Saunier music for you. And NASCAR I guess this guy would be considered an all-time great here, at least modern-day racer, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. out of Olive Branch, Mississippi. His birthday is today. We'll tell you more about these folks in our Southern History Salute. And then in Hour 2, we're also going to have food on our mind. And from southernliving.com, we have the article all about white lightning chicken chili. 
Yummy. All that is part of our food spotlight of Hour 2. Hour 3 today, in addition to headlines, we have our Southern Culture Spotlight. And it is officially October. Hello and happy October to all y'all. And there are a lot of corn mazes out there. You may have one in your part of the world. So we've got an article about the best corn mazes in America. And one of them just happens to be right here in the South. I'll tell you about that. Plus, a couple of places that didn't make it into the top ones in America, according to this new newspaper article. But they are at least considered the best in their respective states. Let's tell you about corn mazes in the two T's, Texas and Tennessee, as we've got articles about corn mazes in both of those states. And we'll let you know about that in our final hour as part of our Southern Culture Spotlight. Plus, a preview of the Y'all Show ahead of what's coming up this week, all in our first hour of t- are all on this Monday edition of the Y'all Show. To reach us here at the show, you can always text us 615-208-4184 or drop us an email, mail mail at y'all.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we appreciate those who take the time to contact us here at the Y'all Show and bring us great information and tell us what's going on, whatever that is on our on our southern minds, we want to hear from you. And we actually have a caller standing by. And caller, if you're there, welcome in to the Y'all Show. What's on your mind today? Hello, hello. All right, looks like we lost him. So, anyway, appreciate those of you who reach out to us. We would love to get to you when you have the, I guess, the, the little drive in your stomach. If something's in your belly, like, I just got to get that Y'all Show. Got to let them know. Then feel free to reach out to us here at uh, at the show and through our text line and email you can reach us anytime y'all let's go into our headlines as we kick off this monday edition so a big story from the weekend well let me tell you personally about something and then i'll get into the real headlines so throughout the day today i'm going to give a salute to and i don't like to get too personal on the show that often but i had a it just kind of wrapping up the weekend i had a an experience this weekend that i've never had and and I, I've lived on this earth a few years. So this past weekend, the, the most favorite singer in my whole life, I had a chance to finally go see in person. I have met this singer. I've actually met the singer and his wife and had a great conversation in the past. I've seen him a few times. But I've never seen him put on a concert. So this weekend, I found out that the only concert this entire year my favorite singer would be putting on east of the Mississippi River was happening in Powderly, Kentucky. So, because there's nothing else going on for me over the weekend these these this time of year, I decided to hop in the car and go to Powderly, Kentucky and see my favorite country music artist, my favorite singer, period. And I'm going to go ahead and give him today the title of the greatest country music singer, and that is Steve Warner. And I'll explain why as we work our way through the show today why steve is the greatest country music singer and it has to do not only with his voice but his incredible songwriting skills his guitar there's no there's no better living guitar player in the world than steve warner but also the fact he's just an awesome guy he's just a great guy he's always had the nice guy reputation and he's just such a giving guy and a a talented artist not just literally as a musician but he is a artist that does watercolors and stuff and lives in the franklin area of tennessee and just just it's just awesome he's what every little musician should strive to be when they grow up is steve warner 
So I'm going to play some Warner music as we go forward in today's show, and I'm going to tell you why he was in Powderly, Kentucky. That is where you'll find the National Thumb Pickers Hall of Fame, and that's why Steve was there, and he did an incredible gesture while there in Kentucky on Saturday, and I was there to see it. So how about that? Steve Warner, and that last name is W-A-R-I-N-E-R. Write it down. Listen to his music. He had about, I should say, present tense. He's had roughly 15 number one songs in his career and just is is just freaking awesome and i'll let you know more about this guy as we go forward again that was what i did saturday hope your weekend went well let's dive into the headlines if you don't mind so while steve warner was up there putting out great songs to the crowd like holes in the floor of heaven and the weekend and so many more good songs that he's had in his career Back in Washington, D.C., they were trying to make a sense of what's going on with a potential government shutdown. We kind of thought this was going to happen. We just knew that the good people in Washington, D.C. couldn't get their act together, and we were going to go on an official government shutdown starting today. But sometimes Congress can surprise us, and Saturday they sure did that. There was a continuing resolution passed, and so they just kicked the can down the road just a little bit more. But we don't have a government shutdown today. And that's a little bit surprising to me. If you had extra money to to put out there, I thought that the safe bet would just say, yeah, there's going to be a government shutdown. I'd put it at 90%. But I guess they listened to me because I've been telling people, much to the chagrin of some of our listeners who claimed that I was a liberal by saying this, that they should find some kind of way to get this thing past and not have a government shutdown now they still need to fix all their budget problems that's certainly not something i'm trying to say that they should be skipping skipping over but at least from a standpoint of having democrats pile on republicans this was one thing that you can say that for now it could be a worse look for republicans however that may all change this week thanks to a floridian matt gates as he was on the talking shows on Sunday morning, and Gates said he will now push to unseat House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from his House Speaker position in Washington, D.C. And Matt Gates, the Gulf Coast of Florida congressman, is now vowing to make good on his threat after McCarthy backed a measure to prevent that government shutdown that got bipartisan support. Gates was on the show State of the Union with Jake Tapper. And he said that he does intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. He says, Gates, that we need to rip off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with leadership that's trustworthy. Now, for most of this session of Congress, the very well-quaffed Matt Gates has been a little bit of a smart aleck to Kevin McCarthy. There's some personal dislike going on between the Florida congressman and the California House Speaker. But now it looks like he's going to be going through with this. And we're seeing some Democrats say this is all just a show, including Nancy Pelosi. She was on some of the shows on Sunday, and she wasn't very flattering to Matt Gates when she was interviewed. But there is a continuing resolution that's going to fund the government through November 17th. The funding that they passed increases federal disaster assistance by $16 billion, and that meets the Biden administration's previous request. 
But this new continuing resolution, which was essentially a band-aid for Congress, does not give Congress the right to fund Ukraine anymore at this point, and it also doesn't fund the border. So a, a win for some of the hardliners on the Republican side and a win for Democrats, too, by not funding border stuff. So for all the people coming across the Rio Grande, come on over. Come on over. Bring it on. We'll just let a couple of million come through this year and give y'all all the benefits that even red, white, and blue Americans don't even get to benefit from. President Biden, after this thing got through the House and Senate over the weekend, signed the bill, emphasizing Congress now has plenty of time to pass government funding bills since they have until November 17th. On the calendar, what is that, about a week before Thanksgiving? And that puts the pressure on them to get it solved before they go home and get bunches of turkey. They better do that, or else they'll be having Thanksgiving on Capitol Hill this year. But Matt Gates is the big story this week. Is he really going to go forward, and are there enough votes to oust Kevin McCarthy as U.S. House Speaker? Now, the Democrats say, hey, go ahead and oust him. We have a perfect guy that would be a great Speaker of the House, and that would be Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat, the leader in the U.S. House. Hey, stranger things have happened. We might just see a Speaker Jeffries, even with a majority Republican House. I'm telling you, up there, some of the wackiest things can happen, including this weekend, the fact that they avoided a shutdown at the last second when most people said this was going to happen. There already were contingencies going on for the shutdown for people who were going to lose some of the services that the government has come in their way. Let's go to the text lines here at the Y'all Show. Texter says, Hello, has there been any word on a possible something going on? Uh, I'm not aware of that. Please check with WNWS on that question. They have a little bit more of a eye on this stuff than I do. So I appreciate you texting in. I don't want to bring this up at the current time because this is all speculation. But uh, please send that same question, if you don't mind, to WNWS.com as they have a closer eye on some of this local stuff. Okay, let's go to another text that's come in. It says, whoa, talk about a dummy, Hakeem Jeffries. <laughs> uh, I don't know what his intellect is, but um, you know what? The guy's a good speaker, and that's why he's the minority leader in the U.S. House, and he kind of talks in staccato form, if you've ever had a chance to listen to the New York congressman. He's somebody to keep an eye on. And I'm telling you, if he wants to run for president, he's going to have a lot of support. Because we we know that Joe Biden can't speak in staccato form like Hakeem Jeffries can. And also, you got a new star. And I'm going to tell you about this new star on the Democratic side. There's a new black senator coming to the United States Senate from the state of California. She's from Mississippi. And... Lo and behold, she could become the next hottest thing in politics if given a spotlight. And she's going to get a spotlight as she takes over the seat vacated by the death of Diane Feinstein. Texter also points out his word is that Rhino Kevin McCarthy signed a side deal with Chuck Schumer. Yeah, I haven't heard that one, but uh, look, look, something happened there to keep that shutdown from happening. 
and I don't know what it was. I guess the one thing is that they compromised on Democrats keeping the border not funded, and then they compromised on not having money go toward Ukraine, which some of the hardline Republicans have been against. In fact, I was watching something over the weekend about Ukraine, and it comes the the video I watch. I watch this every day. Dennis, I don't know his last name. He's a Ukrainian, but he puts out a video every day of how the front lines shift and change, and other gossip coming from the Russia-Ukraine war. And Dennis says, because of what's already happening with the fact that the United States government can't be relied on for giving more financial aid to Ukraine, that that's um, impacting the strategy of Ukrainian military leadership right now. And according to Dennis, and this because this is on Dennis's YouTube channel, I'm going to go ahead and tell you about some strategy here. They're following through. If you heard me a few days back on the Y'all Show, I got all military leadership and and I was impersonating Dwight D. Eisenhower and Operation Overlord here on the Yasha. I was saying that, man, it would be awesome if they could have a, an amphibious invasion of Crimea in this Ukrainian war against Russia. And you know what? That's what Dennis is saying. Now that they've knocked out the naval headquarters in Sevastopol and evidently killed the top admiral of the Black Sea Fleet for the Russian Navy... The Russian Navy is topsy-turvy. The Russian Air Force can't be trusted. Most of the hardcore Russian soldiers are on the front line in Ukraine in places like Bakhmut and and other towns, Kherson, for example. And because of that, this prized possession, and one of the main reasons they're having this war is Crimea, it is lightly defended. And if the Ukrainians could have a D-Day-type amphibious landing now that the Russian Navy is not as what not as strong as it was they would have full sail rain if they wanted to in that peninsula and that could really alter that war and Dennis my good friend Dennis on YouTube from, from Ukraine was pointing out that they're really strongly considering the amphibious plan because they aren't going to have the money to keep in a grinding war there on the front lines like they've had. The point of going into Crimea would be to knock out that cursed bridge, the bridge that connects Crimea with Russia, and then also they could keep some personnel there while going back toward Ukraine and coming to the Russians on two sides as they would be able to have a two-front assault against the Russians who were dug into their positions. Okay, y'all didn't sign up for a bunch of military and analysis here on the Y'all Show, but CNN, if you're listening, feel free to have me on anytime, and I'll give you my one cent worth of military analysis. All right, so that's what's going on with Congress this week. Matt Gates is your your I guess guy of the week. He and his pretty hair, because they are going to try to make Kevin McCarthy's life just a little bit more uncomfortable for making that continuing resolution happen over the weekend. Now, let's get back to some Trump talk. Right now, Trump is in New York City today as he's going to be dealing with a civil fraud trial. Now, this is a fraud trial where he is being charged with inflating the value of his private companies 
which would lower his insurance costs and some other things, maybe some loans. And now he's having to go through a civil trial brought on by Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York. She said she was going to get him. Now, another person from New York's the one that said, no, she was from Michigan. She's the one that said, we're going to impeach the MFR. Remember that? Great clip. And I mean that in a sarcastic way. Um, Letitia James basically said the same thing when she was running for Attorney General of the Empire State. And now she's got Trump in court. He was in Iowa over the weekend, and he was asked if he was going to show up in New York today. He was a little bit noncommittal, but he's there today dealing with this civil fraud trial. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland was asked in an interview if he'd resign if Joe Biden ever asked him to take action on Donald Trump. On 60 Minutes, the United States Attorney General, Merrick Garland, said if Joe Biden asked him to take action against Trump, he would resign thinking that he doesn't think he'll be put in that position. But he would not do it. He says there's no sense that anything like that will happen. The Justice Department that Merrick Garland leads is at the center of a not only having indictments against Trump that include an effort to turn the overturn the 2020 election, but also in Trump's bid to keep classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. And we'll see if Garland's just a good guy or if he, as some Republicans came, claim, does have a axe to grind against Republicans and Donald Trump, the Attorney General of the United States, y'all. Now to some tragic news out of the law enforcement community. A correctional officer has been killed in the line of duty in the state of Georgia. As this happened at Tattanoe County's Smith State Prison, and 42-year-old Robert Clark was escorting prisoners from the dining hall when one of the prisoners attacked him from behind with a homemade weapon. And Clark was injured as well as another officer, Marco Willingham. They were taken to hospitals in Georgia. But this correctional officer, Robert Clark, died from his injuries there after he was attacked at this prison in Tautnell County in Georgia. That according to the Georgia Department of Corrections. Our thoughts to the family of Robert Clark. And oftentimes we don't give enough credit to those who work in prisons around the southeast who are on the front line every day as well as the officers out on the street. And this state prison officer now has lost his life. A law enforcement member of Richland County, South Carolina, has lost his life following an accident as Deputy Jacob Sauron died in a car crash in the Columbia, South Carolina area over the weekend. That is where Richland County is. He died on a crash. It crashed at Avalon Drive and Bluff Road. That is near the University of South Carolina's football stadium. So our thoughts to the family of this 23-year-old Richland County, South Carolina deputy, Jacob Sauron, losing his life in the line of duty. Now to some political news. And big news from Sunday as LaFonza Butler is going to be your new United States Senator from the state of California 
and she was born in Magnolia, Mississippi. And that is along the Louisiana-Mississippi border, just south of Macomb, literally 15 minutes from Kentwood, Louisiana, home of Britney Spears. And LaFonza's going to be shaking it in the United States Senate as she's the new junior senator of the Golden State. She's the youngest of three children. Her daddy died when she was 16 years old of heart disease. And she went on from Magnolia, where she attended South Pike High School. She went to Jackson State University, home of the Tigers. And there she went on from there to get very involved in unions and such. She's basically been a union organizer for most of her professional career. She is right around 44 years young. And most recently, the senator, I guess select, not elect, the senator select, because I don't think she's been sworn in, she has been the president of Emily's List. Emily's List is a very Democratic, heavy political action committee that's actually main purpose is to elect Democratic female candidates in favor of abortion rights. And she's been the head of that. And she was the first black woman and mother to lead that organization. And Senator Select Ellis is a lesbian. She has a daughter with her lesbian partner. And now she's going to be a black woman and a lesbian and maybe the biggest strike against her, she's a Mississippian. <laughs> I mean the last one in jest. Uh, that's who California... I mean, really, that probably is a bad thing for Californians. Oh, my God, we got a senator who's from Mississippi, for God's sakes. Remember, Mississippi does have a woman senator. The senator from Mississippi is... Cindy Hyde hyphen Smith, who's right around the same area that this new senator's from is I think Cindy Hyde Smith is and I don't like to call her Hyde Smith. I like to call her Cindy Hyphen Smith. I think she is from Brookhaven, which is probably twenty miles up the road from where Lafonza Romanique Butler hails from in the Magnolia State. So there you have it. Some political news coming from California. Let's um, get some more text in. Someone says, oh, yeah, she's perfect to fill Diane Feinstein's seat endorsing baby killing and such. Yeah, she's all about uh, doing that there. This uh, the, the, the term is Senator Designate is what she is right this second. LaFonza Romanique Butler. Put that one in your Rolodex. We're gonna, you're going to hear a lot from her. She is going to probably be a media darling on news channels, probably including Fox, knowing how they work, going forward as she's representing the nation's biggest state. I guess she'll be there representing California more than what they've already been represented by. You know, there was some talk that perhaps Gavin Newsom would even take this position. But he may have bigger plans, Mr. California Governor. And his bigger plans could be stepping in for Joe Biden here pretty soon if uh, if there is a need. Although I don't see that coming. I think LaFonza Butler has a better chance of being a Democratic nominee for president than Gavin Newsom. We've got more headlines. We'll jump into them as we continue on. And before the hour is up, 
We've got to look at some social media fun that we call hashtag hullabaloo. All that is right here on the show that shakes the Southland. We are y'all. Good to hear from all of you. We're getting a lot of uh, feedback in here today. We appreciate that. Don't forget, you can text us 24-7 at 615-208-4184. More of the Y'all Show coming right up. many Steve Warner songs that we'll be playing today as I mentioned earlier in the program over the weekend I went and saw Mr. Warner in concert my first Warner concert ever and he rarely plays these days and that's why I made the Herculean effort to catch up with Mr. Warner as he played in Powderly Kentucky at the Merle Travis Music Center and I'll tell you more about all that as we go forward but a hit from 1985 that one went to number one his second number one song, Some Fools Never Learn. We're back here on the Y'all Show. Let's keep the headlines across the Southeast headed your way as we continue on. And from the world of sports over the weekend, we lost a great Floridian and a great power on the Major League Baseball diamond as Tim Wakefield, who as a knuckleballer helped the Boston Red Sox win a couple of World Series titles some 20 years ago. Tim Wakefield has passed away at the age of 57. He was a Florida native that went on to have great success in Major League Baseball for nearly 20 years. He actually wasn't a pitcher per se when he entered the majors or entered baseball professionally. He was actually a pretty good all-around player, hitter included. But he would go on to be a knuckleballing pitcher and help the Red Sox win World Series titles their first since somewhere around 1900 as they were able to come from behind and beat the Yankees to capture the American League pennant in 2000, I think it was 2003 and went on to win the World Series that year then a few years later they would win the World Series over the St. Louis Cardinals in 2007 this Florida native now his manager at that time, Terry Francona, who has just left the Guardians as manager of that organization, in a statement said, it's just like I got kicked in the stomach news about the death of his great player. As Major League Baseball star and Florida native Tim Wakefield dying from, I believe, brain cancer is what he had. And I heard that his wife, 
according to Kurt Schilling, this is a former teammate of Wakefield. Last week, Schilling put out on his podcast that Wakefield had brain cancer, and he also said that Wakefield's wife had a very fatal disease as well. I think she may have... Uh, I forgot what it is, but it's it, it's not good for her. And now her husband has just died at age 57. Our thoughts to all those in the Red Sox community. His wife has pancreatic cancer. Text her, just let me know that. Thank you for that. Yes. I knew it was something that's not a good thing to have by any means. Now, more stories about baseball. This comes to us from the city of Mobile. A business owner wanted to pay tribute to Major League Baseball great and Atlanta Braves great Hank Aaron, a native of Mobile. And this mural in downtown Mobile was painted by E. Allen Warren. And he was almost, he had two more hours of work, according to reports, on this Hank Aaron mural. I'm sitting here looking at it, and it looks pretty cool on the side of a building in Mobile, Alabama. But the artist had his work covered up. You say, what? He he struck out, evidently, in Mobile, the hometown of Hank Aaron, as he painted this on St. Louis Street. And he received a call from the principal of the facility and said that the city had ordered work to stop on this mural of Hank Aaron. Hammerin' Hank's mural had to come to a halt. Huh. Huh. That's not good. I, I wonder if he must he must have violated some kind of code by not getting the proper. I'm actually looking at this. If this if this better not be. No wonder they stopped it. I'm I'm looking at the mural before it got covered up. And as a guy that follows the Braves, I'm pretty sure the uniform that he's got Hank Aaron in is completely incorrect with Braves history because it appears that he's got Bray, the Atlanta uniform of Hank Aaron as the powder blue 1980s look of which Aaron never played for the Braves in the 1980s. Surely, to goodness, that's the, the, the artist Mr. E. Allen Warren should have known better than that. I guess a simple touch-up can fix that. I'm surprised they don't have him in one of his early Mobile area uniforms that he would have been wearing back before he went into... And I'm trying to think if Aaron played in the... I guess he was in Negro League baseball a little bit, but he just happened to be young enough to where he didn't have to go through quite all the stuff that the Jackie Robinsons of the world went in and had to go to where he was a couple years just after that. The color barrier had already been broken in baseball before Mr. Aaron made his debut for the Milwaukee Braves after moving up from Jacksonville. I know as a minor leaguer in Jacksonville, he had not the best of times, and that's been well documented. But right now, we'll find out what's going on with the Braves. Great. And Hank Aaron's mural in Mobile, Alabama. And lastly, in our headlines for hour number one, UPS is hiring 100,000 seasonal workers. Mr. Ferguson, where are you? And you can get a job at various UPS 
centers across the country as they're going to have, again, 100,000 seasonal employees hired, and that includes full and part-time positions. It's for seasonal delivery drivers, commercial driver's license drivers, and package handlers. Permanent positions can be available for those who apply early, and they are also accepting digital applications that can be completed in less than 20%. About 80% of the seasonal positions do not require an interview, but you can do quite well. Hourly pay will start at $23 for seasonal package drivers and $21 for package handlers, and those are increases from $21 from last year. It was $21, now it's $23 for the seasonal package drivers, and then the package handlers get 21 they got 1550 last year go to upsjobs.com to get your application in let me write this down upsjobs.com and um, you know $23 an hour for driving around and giving packages away uh, I think I'm gonna go I think I'm gonna go see y'all later I'm out of here see y'all later just kidding. I talked to my UPS connection about that. And so you have your established drivers. And if you come on there and you can assist the drivers by during this time of year, they get loaded up with deliveries. So you essentially run packages back and forth in the, on the route. And the driver uh, stays back in the truck and kind of gets the next delivery set up for you. It's a, a team effort, if you will. And you can make $23 an hour. If you're hired as a UPS seasonal worker, that's the max, it looks like. So, not bad pay. Not bad pay. You know what? It pays to listen to the Y'all Show. And when we come back, we're going to wrap up hour number one with more of our conversation about the Southeast as we've got hashtag hullabaloo, some fun from social media that we'll get to before we get out of here for this first hour of our show that shakes up the Southland. Thank you for listening on great stations across Dixie. We'll be right back. I could be wild as a gypsy Doing just what I please Back to the past and my thumb in the breeze I might be free, but where would I be If I didn't love you, if I didn't love you I could go down a river and never come back Ride on a rail till I run out of track It wouldn't matter, that's a matter of fact if I didn't love you, if I didn't love you, if I didn't love you, I'd never have found these sweet ties that bind without weighing me down. If I didn't love you, I'd have nothing to give. I'd spend a lifetime and never have lived. If I didn't love you, if I didn't love you. A top 10 song for Steve Warner back in 1993 from the album Drive. We're continuing on with our homage 
to Steve as I had a chance to see him in concert over the weekend. My first concert of my favorite country music singer, period. And it was pretty cool. And I'll tell you more about it as we continue on. Hopefully you don't mind me getting a little personal with my music choice here today. But hey, it was a... Uh, it was a very, very good weekend, if you know what I mean. And anytime you get to see your musical heroes, and I had a chance to meet him before, I just never heard him in concert. So that was pretty awesome. Steve Warner, as we salute him today on the Y'all Show. Let's wrap up our number one with a little bit of hashtag hullabaloo. And we have something coming in from Reminences, the Reminences Sword Shield, also known as G-Shadow One. And this person on X writes to U.S. presidents, I want a full analysis on. Ooh, wow, this is quite the challenge here coming in from G Shadow One. The first U.S. president they want a full analysis on is John Quincy Adams. As this person writes, so influential out of the presidency, but with a complete failure of an administration. You know, I haven't really quite gone and looked back at the JQA administration of the early 1800s, but I'll, I'll have to look into that. This person also writes that another U.S. president to have a full analysis on is Zachary Taylor, the slave-owning Virginian who was in the White House while there persuaded a policy of moderate anti-slavery. And this person says that U.S. Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, liked Zachary Taylor, the general-turned-president who died in office. I have to tell you all more about Zachary Taylor at some point because... He had quite a story. The once father-in-law of Jefferson Davis, Zachary Taylor. Bill Cassidy is a doctor. He's also Louisiana's United States Senator. And at Bill Cassidy writes, Border security is not a political bargaining chip. It's a key element of national security. That is what he put out on social media. And Sassy Southerner, a.k.a. at Cajun Queen 91, writes to perhaps her U.S. Senator, Bill Cassidy. Neither is military promotions and advancement, but the GOP has that football, too. The Republican Party is truly deplorable these days. That from sassy Southerner to U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy, who's talking about how border security is not a political bargaining chip. Well, that was part of the discussion from this past weekend when the government shutdown, at least for right now, was avoided. That wraps up Hour 1. we got more of the Y'all Show coming up after this break. Take it away, Steve. Another historic hour of the Y'all Show has arrived. From the mouth of the South, the General of All Things Southern, John Rawl. Good to have you back here on this Monday edition, as we are going to be making history. You know why? Because we're going to be talking about Southern history. We've got a Southern history spotlight in just a few minutes. 
We'll tell you about Nat Turner, as well as a Confederate general born on this day, General A.P. Stewart, Cordell Hull. You might know that name from history. He was a longtime senator from the Volunteer State. We'll talk about him, as well as some music makers like Joel Saunier, born on this day, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. of NASCAR fame, and also of Danica Patrick fame. <laughs> His birthday is today in the world of NASCAR. We will have all that coming up in our Southern History Salute here of our number two. I, I started off this hour with another historic hour because don't you get a little bit tired of all of the almost every story that comes out is it's a historic day we're making history we're doing this man we're making history every single day no matter what we're doing because what we do somebody out there is writing it down or some websites logging what we do and it's there for all of eternity supposedly unless somebody uh, cleans out our bleach what is it bleach cleans our hard drive like hillary clinton's pretty good at doing uh yeah, so everything is historic. But the good news is, on this show, we truly are historic because you can go find the show all about the South, the Y'all Show, each and every day. We're in podcast form. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're on TuneIn and Spotify and Y'all.com as well. You just go and look Y'all Show, and if you need a little extra oomph to get past the finish line to find us, Type y'all show and then put my name J O N and and it'll be right there. Just search for it, and you can sign up and get our podcast delivered every single day. We love you. We love all of our listeners. We love those who make the effort to listen to us on great stations live each and every day. But if you miss any section of the show or you want to go back and share it with your buddies or your gal pals, that's why we have the y'all show in podcast form. You can listen at your leisure, on your schedule. And we sure appreciate those of you who catch us on podcast form. we got that audience going, baby. And we, we thank you for that. In this second hour, in addition to talking a little history, we've got food on our mind. And from southernliving.com, we have found an article called White Lightning Chicken Chili. Actually, southernliving.com has broken down recipes for every month of the year and now that we've turned over to the month of october october's recipe from southernliving.com is white lightning chicken chili and i'll explain what exactly that is and how you can make it when we have food on our mind some food for thought coming up a little bit later in this second hour don't forget hour three today we've got our southern culture spotlight and we're going to be talking about corn mazes if you want want somewhere to go and have a amazing time then check out these corn mazes across the southeast plenty to choose from especially in the states of texas and tennessee and i'll let you know where to go for that so that's coming up here on the y'all show we encourage you to reach out to us here 24 7 we've got our email address open at mail mail at yall.com mail at y'all.com and then we have our text line open as well, 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. Would love to hear from you. The developing story today comes to us from New York City, where Donald Trump has already gone into the courthouse there in a civil trial of fraud that he's facing. And 
According to Trump, he's called the Attorney General Letitia James, who's there in New York today. I think he called her a racist horror show. The words for for her. She's responding, talking to media that nobody's above the law. Now Trump, in a, and this is a civil trial, but is accused of inflating his business value to affect loans and insurance rates. Isn't that what Trump does? Is inflate everything though? I mean, this should not be a surprise. And this case goes way back before his time trying to be a politician in 2016. So we'll find out if indeed this is a racist horror show being waged upon Trump today as a judge is going to be the deciding factor. This will not be in front of a jury. This is a simple $250 million civil fraud trial that Trump's facing in Manhattan today as he has shown up there to face the music and I would say based on the fact that he's in New York City this may not turn out very good for him in this trial that Letitia James has brought forward she said when she campaigned for her attorney general position of New York she's going to bring it to Trump and she's got a couple of things brewing this is the latest thing as this trial is going to scrutinize his business practices starting today in New York City. As Trump, before going into the courthouse, wrote Sunday night, I'm going to court to fight for my name and reputation. Who are you putting money on, (laughs) y'all? I'd say I'd have to put it with the state of New York if the case is going to be right there in New York State. Not looking good. Some other political news to tell you about. A Mississippian has now been picked to be California's new United States Senator as she will replace the late Diane Feinstein who died on Friday at the age of 90 and a vacancy there in the Golden State. And Butler will be the new Senator from California as Gavin Newsom gets to pick who he wants to fill Feinstein's seat. He already had come out and said he's going to get a black woman. Well, he can check off that here as he's got a black woman in this lady who had been the head of Emily's List, a very, very left-leaning group that sought to elect women Democratic candidates who were for for abortion. That's pretty left-leaning, don't you think? And Newsom now with LaFonza Romanique Butler, the choice to be California's new senator. And she is a native butler of Magnolia, Mississippi, which is around Macomb, Mississippi is where that is located, right there in Pike County on the Louisiana border. Roughly, if you've ever been down Interstate 55 south of Jackson, Mississippi, this would be between Jackson and the Louisiana state line is where you'll find Macomb. And then Magnolia is just about your last stop before, I think the town is Osaka, is truly a border town right on the Louisiana line there on Interstate 55. But Magnolia, population 2420, has a famous daughter now as LaFonza Butler, a lesbian woman, is going to be the newest United States senator, of which, off the top of my head, there are other lesbian senators in the United States Senate right now, I think, the senator from Wisconsin, I know, is lesbian. Not the guy, but the woman that represents Wisconsin. She's a lesbian. And 
That's all I can think of now. Because I believe the senator from Washington State is is not lesbian. I don't know. I, I haven't really done a lot of research into this, but um, at least for that LGBTQ community, they can now boast proudly that they have a another mo- member in the high echelon of government now with LaFonza Butler, your, you, your U.S. Senator Select for the state of California. Other headlines across the Southeast, some business news. Toys are us. That was a name that we thought had gone away for good. Well, it's making a comeback. According to a press release from Toys R Us, they're going to be joining Toys R Us with the Go Retail Group, and they're going to be rolling out new stores starting in 2024 as there will be new Toys R Us locations starting in November. Actually, they're going to go ahead and get it going in the southeast this year with a location in the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. All right. Toys R Us is a brand that is looking to expand, according to the chairman of WHP Global, Yehuda Shidman. And that's why they have this company that this guy or gal, I don't know what the the gender of Shidman is, but they are acquiring the Toys R Us brand and bringing it to, to, it looks like, airports for sure, but other locations in 2024 as they'll be looking for prime locations that evidently complement where Macy's is located, and I believe Macy's is owned by the same group of investors. Toys R Us closed its standalone stores way back in 2017 after filing for bankruptcy. They've had some pop-up shows at Macy's stores for the last year or so and they've also opened a 20,000 square foot American Dream store in New Jersey Toys R Us so a blast from the recent past perhaps headed to a town near you soon as Toys R Us opening up again in the United States so for all of our Florida listeners thank you for listening to the Y'all Show for all of our Florida vacationers thank you for listening to the y'all show this is a good pointer for both of you so in florida the question is do you have to stop for a funeral procession of course you should pull over if an emergency truck like a police car or fire truck or ambulance comes near you but what about funeral processions and we know from florida there are so many people who are in their senior years There are lots and lots and lots of funerals on a very regular basis in the Sunshine State. According to Florida law, funeral processions have the right-of-way at intersections regardless of traffic control devices. However, drivers in a funeral procession must yield to emergency vehicles and to police officers if directed to do so. When the lead vehicle enters an intersection during a funeral procession, All vehicles in the procession may follow through regardless of traffic control devices or lawful right-of-way provisions. Let's say you're driving down the road in Florida, and this also applies to most of our southern states. If you encounter a funeral procession while driving, you yield to the procession. All other cars should yield to all vehicles in the procession, even if a traffic signal is green. You don't cut in or join the procession. 
processional is ceremonial for those who just lost a loved one and you watch for the last vehicle in the procession as that vehicle may be marked with two flags and will have its hazard lights flashing. Now, in Florida, law there states that funeral escort vehicles may be equipped with at least one flashing amber or purple light visible for over 500 feet. And so keep that in mind when you're in Florida visiting or if you live there. And if you violate the law of Florida, law states that the funeral director or the establishment are not liable for any death personal injury or property damage to those in the funeral procession huh violations of the funeral processions are non-criminal traffic infractions if you want some high quality entertainment sometime I don't know I love watching YouTube okay it's one of my passions it's probably my other than listening to Steve Warner music (laughs) of which we're going to keep playing that today as a salute to him as I Went and saw him for the first time in concert, at least, this weekend in Powderly, Kentucky. And one of my passions, besides making all y'all happy and listening to Steve Warner music, is to go on YouTube and find really fun and entertaining stuff. And I don't know how I got led to this, but there is a series of videos of a guy who is in the business or or has been in the business in the state of Florida of leading a funeral escort company. And I'm going to give you the channel that's got... There, there's there's a lot of these knockoff videos of this guy. And it's, it's pretty amazing stuff to see what this guy did in the past. And I don't think he's still doing it. His name is Jeremy DeWitt. And check it out sometime as they have all these videos of him with his escort company, Funeral Escort. And the reason he's in a lot of these videos is because Jeremy has a funeral escort business in Florida. But if you didn't know better, if you would have seen him, you would have thought he was a an actual police officer in Florida. And that's why a lot of these videos of him are on YouTube because he's actually arrested for impersonating police and man does he get mad and man does he I mean I'm thinking I'm thinking steroids might be involved here with Jeremy but you just got to see these videos especially when he starts yelling at people off of his motorcycle he's got the little uh, rocket type motorcycle it's got another nickname that I I better not say today but uh, he thinks he's a real cop but he's not and uh yeah, it's pretty pretty good entertainment sometimes if you get a chance to watch Jeremy DeWitt. Just search that name and you'll see all kinds of videos showing up of him as he's being accused of being a police impersonator. And I don't think he's in the business anymore. And I thought of him when I started reading this story today about Floridians and what they need to do when a funeral possession, a procession comes near them. I was driving the other day and I got caught up in a funeral procession. And what's kind of, maybe there's a historic reason for this, but why do we have black funeral cars and why do we have white funeral cars? And I'm sorry, I don't mean to get racist, but for a long time, and this is pretty accurate statement, 
a lot of black people like to use white limousines and a lot of most white people use black limousines is that is that pretty accurate except then i found out when elvis died he wanted a white limousine and there was another famous person that died that wanted a white person that wanted a white limousine i, I i'm sure there's not really a, a a kind of a rule of thumb but my guess what i mean i don't know what what color do y'all want to be hauled off in <laughs> white black is there another choice is there a silver type of hearse available i haven't heard maybe if we just get cremated it, it won't be an issue but uh pretty wild story and i thought we would take a few moments here on today's y'all show and and talk about funerals if you don't mind now what what could be better to talk about than funerals than fishing and that's where we're going to go now to camden tennessee in benton county west tennessee and at a pond near camden over the weekend you know tennesseans love to fish they sure do but what a haul a certain angler out of the state of tennessee found this weekend as deputies had to be called out to benton county because of a suspicious item found over the weekend and as benton county sheriff's deputies arrived they realized the 911 caller had evidently hooked a homemade bomb while fishing in this camden tennessee pond a deputy confirmed that it was indeed a homemade bomb made of tannerite with a fuse attached and it didn't go off when this guy reeled it in a deputy there tried to shoot it three times to detonate it and the benton county sheriff's office said it was too waterlogged to explode thank goodness unclear of how deputies disposed of the bomb but man right when you thought you'd be reeling in that big bass and instead you get a big bomb a homemade bomb and i've been around tannerite before i've got some buddies who i won't say the location i won't say this the state location time or place but i've been with some buddies who love to use tannerite and man is that stuff man is it loud now again this has been in the past so i think the statute of limitations is up but the same buddies i'm referencing they like to pull out their guns have tannerite way off near a pond and they shoot something that's got tannerite in it and when that bullet pierces whatever the heck can or whatever it's in boom boom the boom is lowered so i would have to i would have to go dig it in that pond and it's nowhere near me thank goodness but uh, luckily we didn't get arrested i didn't shoot you know i i love i love the military i love history in case you wanted to know about me i love the second amendment but personally i don't really get a big thrill of guns i I don't have guns if you want to have guns great go for it but i personally don't really get a big kick out of guns now if we get invaded at the border with a with the chinese army coming forward i'll grab a gun and i'll go if i have to lose my life i will but otherwise i just have other things that get me a little bit more excited than holding a gun but many of you do love that thrill and have that need to have one and good for you good for you 
Now, just don't have Tannerite on you, okay? Then we got a problem, all right? <laughs> but I'm glad in Benton County, Tennessee this weekend, there's at least one fisherman who has lived to fish another day thanks to somebody out there putting Tannerite and a bomb in a pond. Come on, y'all. That's just tacky. Don't litter up our great Southland and our great, in this case, West Tennessee with your daggum throwing away bombs and ponds. What are you thinking? Or maybe you weren't thinking. (laughs) We'll come back from this break here on the Y'all Show. We will have our Southern History Spotlight. We've got a lot to say about Nat Turner, also a Confederate general born on this day, plus some great singers of today, Joel Sonia among them with birthdays, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. of NASCAR World has a birthday. We'll tell you all about it as we continue on with the show that's all about Dixie. We are y'all, powered by y'all.com. Hang on. We'll be right back. Continuing on with our tribute to Steve as we had a chance, at least I did, over the weekend to see him for the first time in concert, and I keep making a big deal out of this. He's my favorite singer. The reason I haven't seen him yet is Steve really doesn't have concerts. He goes a couple of days a year to Texas, and that's about it. This year, he added a date in Powderly, Kentucky, and so I went and saw him all alone. It was Steve and his roughly eight guitars as he's truly the best guitar player in the world right now and had a wonderful evening there in that central Kentucky community of Powderly and just just uh, just tickled to see him play instead of just having a chance to shake his hand as I had had a chance to do before, but to see him in concert was pretty neat. I'll tell you more about that concert in hour three today. Included 
in that is how Steve surprised everybody in the audience with an incredible gesture there in Kentucky. So that's coming up. Let's continue on with our fun here of Southern history as we have on this day the date of the birth of Nat Turner. Nat Turner, known for the slave rebellion that he had back in 1831 in Southampton County in Virginia. This truly was one of the first insurrections as it was a rebellion of enslaved Virginians that took place in that section of Virginia in 1831. And Turner, born on this day in history, we're not totally sure of the year. That's why I'm not going to tell you because he was a slave and they didn't have the best records back in the day for slaves. But this Turner rebellion that he led killed between 55 and 65 white people and it was the deadliest slave revolt in American history. And it happened at Belmont Plantation in that section of Virginia, Southampton County, back in 1831. As a result of this rebellion, ultimately, Turner, who was born, I got the year, he was born in 1800, so he was, he was 31 years old when he led this revolt in Southampton County in Virginia, Southampton County, if you're looking at a map of Virginia, it's on the North Carolina border, about three counties inland from the coast. So we're talking southeastern Virginia is where this county is located. And Turner, who, again, led this revolt, born on this day in history, he would ultimately be a victim of the slave revolt as he would be captured and slave the slaves the, would all be executed by hanging in November of 1831, just a few weeks after the revolt happened. But uh, the deadliest slave revolt in American history by Nat Turner led this, and in 1831, that's when that happened. He was born on this date in history in 1800. A man born on this date in 1821, Alexander Peter Stewart, a.k.a. A.P. Stewart, and he would go on to be a Confederate general in the Civil War. He was actually an East Tennessean born in Rogersville. He would graduate from West Point in 1842, graduated 12th of 56 cadets, served in the United States Artillery before becoming a professor of math at Cumberland University in Lebanon, Tennessee, and then would go on to get a position at the University of Nashville, which was a pre-Civil War college located in Nashville, Tennessee, of course. And it was a four-year military college there in Middle Tennessee prior to the Civil War. At the start of the Civil War, Stewart would enter the Tennessee militia and then go into the Confederate Army as a major of artillery. And he fought the rest of the way, fighting around Chattanooga. He was part of the Siege of Corinth. He would go on to be a lieutenant general serving in the Confederate States Army. And one of his last battles was the Battle of Nashville right at the end of 1864. He also was part of that terrible tragedy at Franklin in 1864. A.P. Stewart would surrender his army in Greensboro, North Carolina, May 1st and then go on to be Chancellor of the University of Mississippi as he served as the UM Chancellor from 18, let's see here, 
1875 until 1886, it looks like, A.P. Stewart led what would become Ole Miss. And then he would be the commissioner of the Chickamauga and Chattanooga National Military Park and ended up having that position before he would die in Biloxi, Mississippi in 1908. One of the last lieutenant generals alive when he passed away in 1908. Again, born on this day in 1821, Alexander Peter Stewart, Alexander P. Stewart, Confederate general and a Tennessee native that fought in the war at many, many battles. From Shiloh to Perryville, he fought at Missionary Ridge and then in Franklin and Nashville among his many battles that he served while in the Confederate services. Also born on this day is the opposite of a rebel would be a Yankee, and that would be Edmund J. Davis. Edmund Jackson Davis, born on this day in 1827. He was a Southern Unionist as he was born in Florida. Born in St. Augustine, Florida, 1827 and ended up serving in the United States Army prior to the war and then would go on to Texas. But during the Civil War, he fought for the Union and was very outspoken about people like Robert E. Lee not violating his oath of allegiance to the United States, suggestion that they should stay in the U.S. Armed Services. And Edmund Davis supported Sam Houston of Texas, as Sam Houston, back in 1861, was very much against Texas seceding from the Union to join the Confederacy. This guy would ultimately escape Texas, which was heavy Confederate, to go be a U.S. Army officer, and he raised the 1st Texas Cavalry Regiment, which was a Union regiment that fought in the Civil War, of Texas Unionists, and would make it all the way through the war. After the war, Edmund J. Davis would be selected as the 14th Governor of Texas, serving from 1870 to 1874, and then got involved in Republican politics in a big way for the rest of his life. He died in Austin in 1883 at the age of 55. Again, born on this day, Southerner turned Unionist, Union Army General Edmund J. Davis, born on this day in history. Today also marks the birth of Cordell Hull, who was a Tennessee politician and a U.S. Secretary of State. He was actually the longest-serving Secretary of State ever. He held that position for 11 years during the Franklin D. Roosevelt administration. Cordell Hull was born in Olympus, Tennessee, which is part of Pickett County, and Pickett County in Tennessee is located, I'd say it's right above Cookville on the Kentucky line. It's very rural, this section of Tennessee. And he would serve as, again, a politician. He was a U.S. Senator from the state of Tennessee from 1931 to 1933. Prior to that, he had been a member of Congress representing Tennessee's 4th District then would go on to be the 47th U.S. Secretary of State under FDR Cordell Hull, born on this day in 1871. Senator, and I guess he would have been ultimately Secretary Hull, 
died on this. He died July 23rd, eight, uh, in 1955 at the age of 83. Very active member of the Democratic Party throughout his life. A graduate of National Normal University and Cumberland University in Lebanon, Tennessee. Cordell Hull, born on this day in history. Today also is the birthday of Spanky. Happy birthday to the late actor as George Robert Phillips McFarlane was born October 2nd, 1928. And this actor, the child actor from Our Gang, died in 1993. Mr. McFarlane was born in Dallas, Texas, back in 1928 and got involved while in acting as a youngster. He appeared in various Our Gang episodes. He actually went to high school in Lancaster, Texas. Before he got involved with the Our Gang comedies, McFarlane, who was known as Sonny by his family, <laughs> oddly enough, he modeled children's clothing for a Dallas department store and was also seen in Dallas on billboards and for ads for Wonder Bread. And so that got him out there in the public eye and somewhere along the way, an ad was sent on to him where they were working on in 1931 this new Our Gang series and they were looking for cute kids and somebody suggested that he should apply and lo and behold he ends up being selected for Our Gang McFarlane would go on to serve in the United States Air Force and live what some would say would be a, a normal life he died in 1990 was it 93 yeah June of 1993 he died in Grapevine Texas and he has a marker at the Texas State Cemetery in Austin forthcoming it looks like so Spanky of our gang Spanky McFarlane aka George Robert Phillips McFarlane who died at the age of 64 in 1993 but born on this day in history in 1928 from Spanky we go to Murray Wills great baseball player born on this day in history in Washington D.C. you might remember him for his time playing for the L.A. Dodgers back in the 1960's he was a seven time all-star three time World Series champ for the L.A. Dodgers great player born in the nation's capital and would go on to play pro baseball primarily for the Dodgers. He also played for the Pirates Expos and then returned to the Dodgers. He was once the manager of the Seattle Mariners. Murray Wills, born on this day in history. Also, singer Chris Ledoux, born on this day in Biloxi, Mississippi. He was an Air Force brat, the great Western-type country singer forever memorialized in the Garth Brooks debut song Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old when a line from that says a worn out tape of Chris Ledoux I had never heard of Chris Ledoux until Garth sang that song and Chris Ledoux born just after World War II in Biloxi on October 2nd 1948 Chris unfortunately died in 2005 at only 56 years old as he had problems with his liver and unfortunately he died of cancer 
back in 2005 in Casper, Wyoming. The great kind of country slash western singer Chris Ledoux and uh, lost him way too young but some great music on the Capitol Records imprint if you ever have a chance to go back and hear some of his music you will be impressed with Chris Ledoux the Air Force brat it's always amazing to tell people hey do you know where Chris Ledoux was born and they always are guessing hmm let me see Wyoming, Colorado, California, somewhere way out there. But nope, 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 nope. It's actually the great western state of Mississippi, Biloxi to be exact. Today also is the birthday of this guy that I'm going to play a song from him. He's from the the Lafayette, Louisiana area. Here's a little little music from him. It's Joel Sonier's birthday today. Hey! It was three in the morning when she took me apart. She wrecked the furniture, she wrecked my heart. She danced on my head like a fork for murder. The scars ain't never gone anywhere. And just when I thought I could learn to forget her, right through the door come a tear flame letter. Oh, 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 oh. Cry, cry, if it makes you feel better. Set it on down a tear stain letter. Uh, all right, Joe Sonia, if you have a chance to see that music video for Tear Stained Letter, you'll recognize a familiar face as actor, I think his name is Judge Reinhold, is playing like the lead role in that RCA music video. And that's a guy that used to be on all kinds of stuff, but honestly, I have not seen Judge Reinhold in a long, long time, and he's still with us. He's 66 years young, a Delaware native, Judge Reinhold is, and I'm trying to pull up his Judge Reinhold filmography. What's the last What's the last thing we have? I used to be on all kinds of TV shows, SNL and more. He was in movies like Runaway Car and Baby on Board. Back in the 80s, he was on Beverly Hills Cop, Lords of Discipline, great movie, Roadhouse 66 and more, but... The last movie I'm seeing that he was part of was 2017's Four Christmases and a Wedding. Now, that was a TV show. He's evidently going to be in a new movie that's being filmed right now, Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley. He hasn't been in a movie since Bad Grandma's in 2017, so he's still out there. Judge Reinhold. Never thought I'd be talking about Judge Reinhold, the second most famous person from Delaware these days. <laughs> All right, let's continue on with more headlines. Happy birthday to Joel Saunier, born on this day in 1946 in Rain, Louisiana, the country-slash-Cajun singer who had a bunch of hits, at least in Cajun music form, and then songs like Tear Stained Letter back in the late 1980s got play on country radio. That was a top-ten song for Joel Saunier. Love that Cajun sound, and happy birthday to him. Today's also the birthday of Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. of NASCAR fame. Born in Olive Branch, Mississippi, on this day in 1987. DeSoto County, stand up. Stenhouse began racing and kart racing at the age of six. He has gone on to win the Daytona 500 this year. He's the reigning Daytona 500 winner and has also 
won other big races like the Coke Zero 400 race and has done quite well in NASCAR. Some people know him because he dated Danica Patrick at one time and he also likes to get out there in his favorite college team's racing helmet as he likes to wear a helmet for the University of Mississippi. Yeah, he's actually even led the Mississippi Landshark Colonel Reb Black Bears onto the field before a football game in the past. <laughs> Out of Olive Branch, Mississippi. He's now married, by the way. He's moved on from Danica Patrick. He got married to an Ohio lady. Oh, my goodness. Ohio and Mississippi teaming up. As Ricky Stenhouse Jr. just about a year ago, it was in October of last year, in the great city of Charleston, South Carolina, that he married Madison Goldflash. So a newlywed is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and today is his birthday. So vroom, vroom, have a great day, sir, and maybe we'll see you in Olive Branch sometime. I wonder if he is a conquistador. That would be the high school there in Olive Branch, Mississippi. And that is a look at some of our Southern history and birthday boys and girls of the day representing the South on this October 2nd. We'll come back and wrap up, y'all, for this hour. We've got a recipe from southernliving.com as they've got a recipe featured for every month of the year. This month's recipe, now that we've moved to the month of October, yummy. It's white lightning chicken chili, and I'll break it all down after this break. more great Steve Warner music as we continue with our tribute to this guy. Wrapping up our second hour of today's Y'all Show, going to talk food for a moment. SouthernLiving.com has put out what they call Southern Recipe Ideas for every month of the year. You can go to SouthernLiving.com and find that. For October, which, happy October to all y'all, by the way, the recipe is White Lightning Chicken Chili. Yummy! And the recipe, they say, is perfect for the fall season and a perfect fit for the chilly evenings. White Lightning Chicken Chili. It gets its name because it only takes 30 minutes from start to finish to get this one-dish meal to the table. Yummy. It's got navy beans in it, shredded cooked chicken, chopped, let's see here, green chilies, and plenty of seasoning and more. Again, very easy to do. Stir in the chicken, mix it in, bring in things to a boil, and then after about uh, roughly 10 minutes or so of all of that mixed in together, you can serve up your delicious chicken that's called White Lightning Chicken Chili. 30 minutes is all it takes, and it yields 11 and a half cups. I'm hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, that wraps up Hour 2. We've got more great fun coming for Hour 3, so you make sure you stay tuned because we're going to be talking about corn mazes as fall is here, y'all. All that is right here on y'all. Never know.
final hour of our Monday get together that we call the Y'all Show, where we put the South in your mouth. The general of all things Southern, John Rawls, CSA. Good to be with you here as we have this great hour to wrap things up on our first show for the month of October. Hope your new month is going well. I got my four fingers raised high above my head because we're into the fourth quarter of the year. Happy fourth quarter, y'all. We have headlines from across the South that we'll be jumping into here in this final hour of the Y'all Show. Included in our headlines will be how is the Southern accent slowly disappearing? You gots to be kidding me. We'll give you a story out about that, plus other headlines, including what's going on with President Trump as he's in a New York courtroom today. They're going to do everything they can to lock that guy up, lock him up, lock him up. (laughs) We'll talk about all that in our headlines across the nation and especially the South here on today's Monday edition. We also have our Southern Culture Spotlight coming up, and we're going to tell you all about corn mazes. Now that October is here, over the weekend I drove around a couple of places and noticed long lines turning into the middle of a field and it was multiple corn mazes that i got a chance to see these are big money makers for a lot of businesses across the region and so i have found an article that lists the best corn mazes in america and i hate to break the news but this website's not very friendly to the south they've only got one southern location in their best corn mazes in america we'll tell you which one that is now Thank goodness for other websites. And other websites that I went scouring the internet for, I found two really cool articles. One was one, it was all about the best corn mazes of the Lone Star State of Texas. And I'm going to read off a few of those great corn mazes if you're listening to us or able to get to Texas. And then I found one all about the great corn mazes of Tennessee. So the two T's will be... I'm not going to tease you. (laughs) I'm going to tell you all about Tennessee and Texas corn mazes as part of our Southern Culture Spotlight. We do love our corn mazes here in the Southeast, and we'll have that discussion a little bit later this hour. Plus, before we get out of here today, a look at what's ahead on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of the week. Before we dive into the headlines of what's going on across the Southeast for this final hour of the program, I'm going to continue on real quick and bring y'all the final chapter of my discussion of why I was away in Powderly, Kentucky on Saturday. I went up there to see Steve Warner, my favorite country music artist. I had never seen him in concert. If you're not familiar with Steve, this is probably the most famous of his songs. A song from the mid to late 90s that he had that went to number one. Holes in the Floor of Heaven. I'm going to play a little sample of that and we'll come back. And to, In fact, he did not play this Saturday night when he was there in Kentucky, but I'll tell you why I consider Steve Warner the greatest singer, period. And that explanation is coming up after we hear a little bit more of Holes in the Floor of Heaven. Mama smiled, said don't be sad, child. Grandma's watching you today. Cause there's holes in the floor of heaven and her tears pouring down That's how you know she's watching Wishing she could be here now And sometimes if 
you're lonely Just remember she can see There's holes in the floor of heaven And she's watching over you and me From 25 years ago, that was the CMA Single of the Year from Steve Noel Warner, born Christmas Day in 1955. Let me double check. Nope, I'm a year off. 1954. Yeah, he was born on Christmas Day. That's why he has an awesome album that's got Christmas. It's a Christmas album that he did back in the 80s. And he does the best rendition of Tennessee Christmas, if you ever have a chance to hear that one. Plus, uh, just some more great Christmas songs. We're about to hear Christmas music in a big way in a couple of weeks. But keep in mind, Steve Warner, Steve Noel Warner, <laughs> for that. So, I, as I said, have had a chance to talk to him a couple times, including his wife, Karen, but I'd never seen him in concert. Steve ha- hasn't really been much of a guy who's toured for the last 30 years. I don't know why. He's been a homebody. He, he lives in Franklin. He's got a really cool old car that some people see around franklin on a regular basis he's always on the grand Ole opry he just doesn't like to get out on the road too much but every year in september he has roughly two weekends he's got gigs in texas and i've been thinking about going to texas but i just didn't have the i didn't have the uh the the spine frankly to go out there by myself if, if i got any fellow steve warner fans that want to join me sometime we'll have to go out there and check him when he makes his annual pilgrimage to texas but this year i was looking at his official website steve warner and his last name is w-a-r-i-n-e-r.com i was looking at the website and all of a sudden a event popped up to where he was going to wrap up his tour this year in powderly kentucky now that is not far from central city a little bit to to the west of Elizabethtown, Kentucky is where this would be located. And so I looked at the map. I looked at my calendar. I said, you know what? I have never seen my favorite artist in concert. That's a dang shame. We need to do something about it. So the stars aligned, and sure enough, I made it up to this small Kentucky town just beside the county seat of Greenville, Kentucky, which is Muhlenberg County, made famous by one of its most famous descendants uh, or residents at one time john prine was from muhlenberg county kentucky but another famous person born and raised in muhlenberg county was merle travis and that's the reason steve warner was there this past weekend performing at the merle travis music center in powderly kentucky as this weekend they had the national thumb picking hall of fame go down at the Merle Travis Music Center in Powderly, and Steve Warner was the featured act to close things out Saturday night. So, if you aren't familiar with Merle Travis, he was born in Muhlenberg County, Kentucky back in 1917. We lost Merle Travis in 1983 at the age of 65 years old. Merle Travis was one heck of a guitar player. In addition to being a heck of a singer, he also was in a few movies he's in the nashville songwriters hall of fame and he burst onto the scene as he had recordings of 16 tons the re-enlistment blues and songs like dark as a dungeon and again after world war ii is when he kind of got teamed up with grandpa jones 
And those two guys started out in Cincinnati on the radio there, ultimately found themselves performing on the Grand Ole Opry and more. And one of the early songs that I love that Merle Travis had was Divorce Me C.O.D. Have y'all seen anything C.O.D. lately? (laughs) Well, he sure made a few dollars off of that one right there. Divorce Me C.O.D. But in addition to having great songs and, and success on the charts, Merle Travis is considered one of the most influential guitarists of the 20th century. And his guitar playing was something to behold his thumb-picking style. And others duplicated that, included Chet Atkins into that. So Chet Atkins was a disciple, if you will, of Merle Travis. And then you had people like Blind Blake, a black guitarist, also come out with a style similar to this. And I remember seeing the Merle Travis books about guitar playing that that I've seen in guitar stores and more. And a true music legend, Merle Travis, and that's why they've just opened up in his home county of Muhlenberg in Kentucky, in Powderly, Kentucky, a beautiful little music event center that holds about 1,000 people, the Merle Travis Music Center. And I got the chance to go up there on Saturday for the Steve Warner concert, all part of the National Thumb Pickers Hall of Fame that has been established there at the Merle Travis Music Center. Now, about Steve Warner at the concert. So, tickets weren't exactly cheap to go to this thing. And so, hey, he's my favorite artist. I've never seen him in concert. Heck yeah, I'm going to go to Powderly and see my guy. About halfway through the concert, Steve Warner, who is truly the best guitar player out there that's living, Steve played in Chet Atkins' band, He has had instrumental albums of his own. He's got his own line of Gretsch guitar. He used to have a Takamini line named after him. He is the best. And nobody can outperform him on a guitar. That's why I consider Steve Warner the greatest country music singer. Because he can sing. He's had the proven hits. He can write songs. But boy, can he play. And he's just a great guy. You can't find one negative thing. I guess one thing I can come up with is he doesn't tour. But other than that, there's nothing that anybody can say bad about this guy. And I guess it's one negative thing is he's a Kentucky Wildcat fan, even though he was raised. That's a negative thing. He was raised mostly in Indiana. Shame on him. But he was raised by Kentucky natives. That's why he's a U.K. fan. And he's he's just the salt of the earth. And that's why people like Garth Brooks and Keith Urban consider Steve Warner as their icon. And he's also been my guy for 40-something years. Steve Warner. And at the concert Saturday night, in addition to playing and singing all by himself up there on stage with all his many guitars that he brought from Franklin to Powderly, Kentucky, he announced halfway through, oh, by the way, your tickets for tonight, the money from your ticket, I'm giving 100% to this National Thumb Pickers Hall of Fame, which is established there at the Merle Travis Music Center in Powderly, Kentucky. So he comes all the way up there for a concert, and maybe even unbeknownst to the Hall of Fame that they've just established there for the National Thumb Pickers, and that would be guitar players. And there were a lot of guitar stuff going on there over the weekend at this place. 
what a what a gentlemanly gesture from this guy Steve Warner to do that. So if I didn't have enough reasons to like him, he once again proved how awesome that he is and that's why I consider him the greatest singer because of the hits, the the guitar playing. You know, he can't put 50,000 people into a stadium, but he deserves a chance. He just never was given the brightest spotlight. Yes, he's had number ones. Yes, he's had a gold album and all this kind of stuff, something that most people never come close to. He's done some of that. He's not a household name. And you know what? If you're a fan like me and Garth and Keith Urban, I think Brad Paisley considers Steve Warner one of his real icons. I'm okay with that. It makes it cool to be on the Warner fan club, and I'm the 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 president of the chapter of that locally. <laughs> so if you again, if you're into guitar playing, check out this National Thumb Pickers Hall of Fame that's just been established in Merle Travis's home county of Muhlenberg County, in Kentucky. Let's go to the text line before we dive into some of the news headlines today. As a texter has said. You can't go wrong with Steve Warner and gives me a couple of nice emojis, including a thumbs up. Well, thank you for that. I do appreciate it. And we've got a few more Warner songs that we'll be playing as we will get away from my my homage to Steve after today. I try not to make this show so much about me. I really don't. But today, only because it was the first time I'd ever seen him play in, in concert, I just had to. I just had to get a little personal today. I hope you don't mind, okay? But I promise starting Tuesday and going forward for the most part, the y'all show is really about y'all, not about yours truly. But a lot of you like Steve Warner. You know his songs. You just may not know enough about his story. And that's why I thought it would be fitting for me to tell you just a little bit about my weekend journey on this Monday y'all show. Let's pick up a few headlines before we start talking about corn mazes in the next segment so this past weekend we avoided a big time government shutdown most people thought it would happen but at the last moment on saturday house speaker kevin mccarthy was able to get just across the goal line to get this continuing resolution passed the senate agreed joe biden signed off on it we've got until at least mid-november a break a break from the action on Capitol Hill. However, drama back in D.C. as Florida Congressman Matt Gates, he went on shows like State of the Union on CNN with Jake Tapper on Sunday, and he says that he intends to file a motion against Kevin McCarthy. It's a motion to have him vacate, to kick him out of the House Speakership. As Matt Gates says that he thinks we need to rip the Band-Aid off and we need to move on with leadership that's trustworthy. Now, McCarthy is not having that. The Democrats are not having that. And the Democrats, who are only about five or six seats shy of being in the majority, are going to likely prefer one of their own people be chosen as speaker. And they've done that before. If you go back to January when they were having all these multiple votes for House Speaker, it was leader Hakeem Jeffries of New York that kept getting every single Democratic vote. So more drama, and as McCarthy would say, it's all because Matt Gates is looking for more television hits and getting his name out there and his beautiful hairline out there a little bit more. I don't know, 
maybe there's something to it. I mean, I was talking to someone on Sunday night, and they were ticked off that there was a continuing resolution. They wanted a government shutdown. And they completely agree with Matt Gates in trying to oust Rhino. I got that text in earlier. Rhino, Kevin McCarthy of California. Hmm. We'll find out what happens this week. Now, the bright lights of D.C. today are being dimmed a little because there's a bright light going on in Manhattan as Donald Trump in court today for a trial that is scrutinizing his business practices as he's in front of a judge there. It's not going to be a jury trial, but he's in front of Judge Arthur Ingeron in this non-jury trial that is looking at possible fraud from the Trump organization. A couple hundred million dollar trial that Letitia James, the Attorney General of the Empire State, has waged upon Trump and his company. Trump said, the whole case is a sham. See you in court. And he was there today. He showed up. I mean, I wasn't really sure if he was going to show up. He was campaigning in Iowa in a cornfield on Sunday, even signed a big, gigantic John Deere. I guess that would have been a... Well, I'm, you know, I'm not a really a corn farmer. That's not my background. My background is in other things like colored greens. <laughs> but I guess he was there in front of a combine, a gigantic combine in Iowa, and he signed his name real big on a brand new John Deere combine. I wonder how much that thing's worth now. For some people, it might have gone down in value. <laughs> but Trump uh, on the political stump, and he. I don't want to go into it today. We'll talk more politics on our Tuesday Y'all Show, but he and the former governor of South Carolina, Haley, are having a few words, and that only makes her more important, unfortunately. So if I were, if I had a chance to talk to DJ, DJT for a moment, I'd say, President Trump, ignore that woman. Ignore that Clemson tiger. Just let her go. Start talking more about Ron DeSanctimonious, as you like to say, sir. You think he'll take my advice? We've had two law enforcement members who've lost their lives over the weekend. First, an inmate kills a Georgia prison officer in Tattnall County, Georgia. 42-year-old Robert Clark was killed while escorting two prisoners from the dining hall, and one of the prisoners attacked him from behind with a homemade weapon. He would die at an area hospital. Another Corrections official Marco Willingham injured, and he's being treated in the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, thank goodness. But unfortunately, this correctional officer with the Georgia Department of Corrections has lost his life in Tottenham County in the state of Georgia. A Richland County, South Carolina Sheriff's deputy killed in a crash. 23-year-old Deputy Sauron losing his life over the weekend in the Columbia, South Carolina area. Our thoughts to this officer, Jacob Sauron, in Richland County, SC. There's some political news coming to us, sort of, kind of, from the city of Magnolia, Mississippi. It is a Magnolia, Mississippian that's going to be the newest senator for the state of California as on Sunday it was announced that Gavin Newsom who is the head of the nation, the, not the nation, the world's fifth largest economy, the state of California, has picked Lafonza Romanique Butler to be the senator designate from the California 
representation. Now, Butler has been the president of Emily's List. She's had that role for about two years now. And if you're not familiar with Emily's List, perhaps you might want to get your membership forms out and sign up. As it is a very left-leaning organization that's all about having women, Democratic officials who are also pro-abortion. Go find me a woman Democrat that's pro-life and I'll give you a new car. (laughs) I don't think they exist. But this Emily's List is um, pretty, pretty, pretty famous in Democratic circles and the head of that, the president now picked to be the senator designate from the state of California and I think she'll end up filling out the term of Diane Feinstein who died Friday at the age of 90 and I'm not exactly sure when that is going to be that term ends but I assume at least for another year and a half she'll have that role in Congress she's a Jackson State alumnus born in Magnolia Mississippi back in the late 1970s she is a lesbian she's a black woman and she's proud her name again is LaFonza Butler and this Mississippian is now a new, or going to be very soon, the latest senator in Congress, the first black woman senator we've had since uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah, I had to think about it. And she, Kamala Harris, was, of course, not just black. She was also, she's, she's also half Indian. India, the country. So she is a you know this this lady here I'm, I'm assuming is of a a hundred percent american black family background unlike kamala who grew up outside of the country she didn't even grow up in california she grew up in canada for most of her childhood so we got a a southern lady now in the seat of diane feinstein in our other headlines across the southeast today Unfortunately, the passage of a Major League Baseball great, Tim Wakefield, who was raised in Florida, went to Florida Tech for college before getting into the minor leagues, ultimately would work his way to the majors, where he was a member of the Boston Red Sox. Tim Wakefield, dying of cancer, I believe it was brain cancer, he died at the age of 57. Unfortunately, last week, Kurt Schilling Wakefield's teammate back when the Red Sox won World Series in 2003 and 2007. Schilling actually put out on his own podcast that Wakefield was in a brain cancer battle and also that Wakefield's wife was dealing with a horrible form of cancer as well, pancreatic cancer. The Red Sox ended up having to come out with some kind of statement Ultimately, it was over the weekend announced that this knuckleballer, who again helped Boston to two World Series titles in the last 20 years, Tim Wakefield, the Floridian, has died at the age of 57. Toys R Us is making a little bit of a comeback. There's a chance you might run into a Toys R Us if you're at the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport starting in November as this brand which went away back in 2017 even before COVID Toys R Us essentially closed its doors they've got some new ownership and more and they're hoping to open up lots more locations in America some in uh, in airports it looks like 
And so check it out. If you see Toys R Us near you near in the near future, don't think that you're drunk. Just be glad that a blast from the past has come back around. <laughs> so as we wrap up our headlines here today on the Y'all Show, the Southern accent, what a beautiful thing. Don't you agree? Well, evidently, according to some researchers at the University of Georgia and at the Georgia Institute of Technology, a.k.a. Georgia Tech Go Jackets, the generation that we know of as Generation X, those born between 1965 and 1982, the MTV generation, unfortunately, they have found these researchers that, at least in Georgia, White English speakers' accents have been shifting away from the traditional southern pronunciation for the last few generations. What are you talking about? No way. As they often, the professor there, Dr. Margaret Renwick, an associate professor of linguistics at UGA's Franklin College of Arts and Scientists, she says that today's college students don't sound like their parents who didn't sound like their own parents. Y'all, what is she talking about? This research shows that older Georgians pronounce the word prize as P-R-A-H-Z, pras, and face as fais, 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 I don't know how this, but the younger speakers use for the word pride, P-R-I-Z-E, they say prize, and I, I don't know, this is hard to explain to you this story by reading it out loud, but, um, I'm going to disagree. I still think there's hope for our young generations of Southerners that they're going to continue to have a great Southern accent. The Southern accent is what makes sense. It is why we exist here at y'all.com. And I say fooey to you researchers at UGA and Georgia Tech. The iconic Southern accent is not slowly disappearing. We're just needing to get a little bit more publicity about it. And I encourage all you parents out there, don't send your kid to time out. When they say, yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and they say, y'all, and they want to go have some sweet tea, okay? Those are things to cherish. Those are things to promote as parents. Do not, do not let this southern accent go away. Let's make it spread. You know, the word y'all really is spreading throughout the whole world. So that's one victory we've got here in terms of the southern dialect. Let's keep it going, (laughs) y'all. And that's a look at some of our headlines here in our final hour of this Monday, y'all. When we come back, we're going to tell you all about some corn mazes that are happening across the southeast. We've got a list of the best ones in all of America. There's only one in the south. I'll tell you where that is. But Texas and Tennessee have some great ones. So it's corn maze talk coming up on the Y'all Show.
Steve Warner, he wrote that one all by himself. What a beautiful sounding song, would you agree? We are continuing on with our feet of Steve Warner here on the Y'all Show. Hope you don't mind. This is some good music. You, you got to admit it, right? <laughs> all right, let's tell you about some Southern culture here as part of our Southern culture spotlight of the final hour of this Monday Y'all Show. So, when you're driving around the South this time of year with your radio down, listening to Steve Warner music and big songs like that one right there, you might have noticed lately, at least in the last week or two, corn mazes are just about everywhere out there. And that's a good thing. It is fall. It's officially October. Happy October to all y'all. But it had me thinking as I was driving to go see Steve Warner in Kentucky on Saturday, it was, about corn mazes. And, and so we've got all these places for people to go check out across the Southland. I wanted to find out, hey, is there one that we definitely need to write down and go to? So the website UpCountrySC.com has posted an article about today's top 10 corn mazes in the United States. And this was a Reader's Choice Award put out by the USA Today recently. And so this website is promoting that. And what they've done is for the seventh year in a row... An upstate South Carolina corn maze, Denver Downs Farm, located in Anderson, South Carolina, just a couple of stoplights down from Clemson. That's where you'll find a fourth-generation family-owned and operated farm, and it has once again made it into the list of the top 10 Best Reader's Choice Travel Awards for Best Corn Maze in the United States. The owner of that, Catherine Garrison Davis, owner of Denver Downs saying that they're honored and excited to once again be selected and they should be this is a awesome looking place in Anderson County it's a 10 acre maze and they've got a different theme each and every year but they do a great job bringing in thousands of people to Denver Downs for their corn maze each year and in addition to having 50 plus tons of comp pumpkins available there also guests get to pick their own sunflowers and zinnias and they've even had a farm grown jumbo sized mums available and you can eat there they've got barbecue corn dogs chicken fingers hot dogs waffles and ice cream funnel cakes and so much more denver downs has a fall festival that's running now through november 12th with live music there as well. No wonder they are in the top 10 of corn mazes in the entire country. Go to their website, Denver Downs. Let's see here. Do I have their website? 
it's not pulled up here. I'm sorry. Just Google Denver Downs Farm and you'll find it for this, again, top 10, according to USA Today, corn maize in the country. This was the only one in the South that made it onto this list. That's why I'm singling out Denver Downs Corn Maze, Anderson SC. So I did a little bit more digging, and I wanted to find out about some other great corn mazes across the South. And I found two different articles promoting corn mazes within their respective states. So from the website InsideHook.com, here are the 10 best and most complex corn mazes in the state of Texas. In Bastrop, Texas, Barton Hill Farms. Also in Lubbock, home of the Red Raiders, it's Atla Doe Farms. has a corn maze worth checking out. Included a farm maze that's got the outline of Texas, and it says, God bless Texas. That would be fun to go through. In Robstown, Texas, it's Rockin' K Farms with a corn maze. In Marble Falls, it's Sweetberry Farm with a great corn maze there on four acres of corn planted there. Montgomery, Texas, it's P6 Farms. That's just north of Houston is where you'll find Montgomery. And P6 Farms corn maze worth a visit. In Hondo, it's the Graf 7A Ranch. In Brookshire, Dewberry Farm has a great corn maze. In Moulton, Texas, the Rocky Creek Maze. And in Canton, it's the Yesterland Farm corn maze. Grapevine, we've heard of Grapevine, Texas. It's Hall's Pumpkin Farm. That farm goes all the way back to 1929 when it gets uh, up and going there in the Great Depression year. And they have corn and hot cider available at Hall's Pumpkin Farm. And those are some great corn maze options if you are in Texas. Well, Tennessee has something to say about that. And the website bestthingstn.com has a really cool article called The Eight Best Corn Mazes in Tennessee. Allie Hill wrote this article. So if you don't mind, let me walk through some great corn mazes in the Volunteer State. In Eagleville in Middle Tennessee, it's Lucky Lad Farms. In Corriton, Tennessee, it's Oaks Farm. In East Tennessee near Dollywood, it's Kiker Farms Corn Maze in Sevierville. They even have a paintball ride or two there available. In Ocoee, also in East Tennessee, it's the River Maze. Jonesboro, Tennessee has Fenders Farm. Jefferson City, Tennessee's Echo Valley Corn Maze available to you there. In Riceville, Tennessee, it's the Guthrie Pumpkin Farm and Corn Maze. Bluff City, Tennessee, Stickley Farms is a corn maze there. So, unfortunately, West Tennessee, I'm not seeing anything represented from your section of the state. And there's hardly anything from Middle Tennessee. This seems to be a very East Tennessee type article of best corn mazes in Tennessee. And you know what? With the mountains and the trees that you see in East Tennessee this time of year, I think most people in the rest of Tennessee would be okay not having as many corn mazes listed because, you know what, they can have October. Middle and West Tennessee would be very happy if they could have the other 11 months of the year to brag. And that's what they can do. So that's, again, a great little breakdown of corn mazes in Texas, Tennessee, and the best one in the South, according to USA Today, you'll find it in Anderson, South Carolina. And hopefully we did an amazing job (laughs) talking about corn mazes on this Monday show. And it is October, and I'm starting to see so many people in their yards now put out the, the corn and the little halloween looking decorations uh it's a little surprising to me how many people really go all out for halloween more than sometimes more than christmas so happy october y'all 
enjoy Fall in Dixie. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this Monday show with one more Steve Warner song. (laughs) And we'll also give you a preview of what's on the y'all show going forward i promise you no more steve warner music for the rest of this week okay maybe even not for the rest of october stay tuned we'll be right back Steve Warner with, I would say, his most famous song. That might not have been the most successful song, but it was his most famous, meaning it got a lot of play on AC and maybe some pop charts and more. The Weekend, a number one song from 1987 from the album It's a Crazy World. Jimmy Bowen produced that one for MCA Records. Again, Steve Warner, it's been my privilege here to get a little personal and play a bunch of Warner songs as I had a chance to see him this past weekend for the first time ever in concert in Powderly, Kentucky as he performed as part of the celebration of the National Thumb Pickers Hall of Fame at the Merle Travis Music Center in Powderly, Kentucky and Steve Warner is one heck of a thumb picker and he's going to be in that Hall of Fame if he's not already in it for sure as he is the greatest and they said this on stage at this event Saturday that I was there there at in Powderly. Steve Warner is the greatest living guitar player. He is a CGP. Chet Atkins gave him that title. Certified Guitar Picker. All right. And he's a heck of a singer and a songwriter and a good 
Southerner. We'll call him a Franklin, Tennessee boy. Used to live in Nolansville in the Nashville area before moving on to, I think he's in Franklin, been there for a number of years. Steve Warner right here on the Y'all Show and the weekend. What's ahead on the Y'all Show going forward the rest of the week? Well, make sure you hang on because we're going to have some awesome awesome stuff coming your way on the tuesday y'all show we're going to have a political report to pass along what's going on with matt gates is he going to be successful in his effort to oust kevin mccarthy as speaker of the u.s house we'll have info on that we also will let you know about books on our tuesday y'all show we'll have our southern book report and then we'll also on the tuesday y'all show we will have the latest on the takapola storyteller we'll catch up with jerry short and give you a scoop on his latest story. Wednesday's Y'all Show is going to be awesome. We'll have our Southern Business Spotlight and more history Thursday. It'll be country music news and our look at festivals across the South. And on Friday, Paul Hare will be back with the Hare Financial Group. Have a great rest of your money, and thanks for listening to the Y'all Show, where it's all about the South and the weekend. Radio place, the sound of the way.